On today's podcast, we have my incredible friend who is a ninja when it comes to paid media. And this episode is about the foundations that makes it worse in the first place, like that makes it effective and makes it goes. And we're going to be recording a part two on all the strategies and tactics, but this foundation is required. We talk about how your intentional environment squashes your excuses and creates space for you to feel the best when you work. We talk about how to create the shutoff as an entrepreneur and create separation that helps you feel safe. We talk about how to stop actively taking bricks out of your vision and how radical honesty with yourself, knowing that you have a trainable muscle that you can flex and train to achieve your success. We talk about that and so much more. And if you want an episode on principles of success, this is one of them. And this man has walked through it, has been there, has been in the lows of the lows and lives in the highs of the highs is an absolutely crushing it. So get a pen, get a paper and open up those ears because this what's incredible. So let's get into the show. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good, because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George show that was supposed to start 53 minutes ago, but that's what happens when you see a man in Montana walking down the street and you grab him into your podcast studio to represent the state of Montana as a badass entrepreneur as well. He does look like he belongs in the wilderness outside of my (laughs) office, which is true. He does live here. And funny enough, even though we're neighbors, we don't see each other enough. And so I had to put him on the podcast studio calendar. I was like, hey, are you in town this week? But I'm stoked. I'm excited. I have my friend Bob Thompson here who uh, was near and dear to my heart very quickly. Instantly when we met, we hit it off. He's an incredible human, incredible father, incredible husband, incredible entrepreneur. And uh, he loves talking about marketing just as much as I do. And he loves talking about the parts of it that I hate talking about. (laughs) Yeah, which which is is, a nice compliment. Which is a perfect Then I can take everything that you teach me and go apply it. And have it work. I know. And then no one in your world listens to me anyways. And so you're one of the ones that does it. And then everyone's like, Bob, why is your shit working? And everyone's like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So today, that's who I'm joined by because he's got his toes in many things from products to launching, physical products, digital consulting, coaching, marketing, Mm -hmm. scaling. And so I can't remember all of his businesses, just like I can't remember mine. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Bob. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm one, the studio. Off air, the tour of the studio just blows me away. Like, I love it in here. I am like, my heart is so happy. Yeah. Because like, I was explaining to you, and it's so funny, right now on the podcast, mm-hmm. I'm recording a series. Did you read that book, The Talent Code? No, I have By haven't. Daniel Coyle? No, I will. Okay, so I recorded up through chapter four today, and I'm okay. doing a breakdown of the book. And so think like Cal Newport Deep Work, yep. but around your talent. Okay. Right? So mastery at a deep level and how to basically like extract it out. Yeah. And, you know, one of the principles we talked about was like curiosity and experimentation, but also understanding that like who you are yesterday is not who you're going to be tomorrow. Yeah. And stop trying to plan like, oh, this blueprint is exactly how I want it to be. And I was teaching the lesson and like reflecting through and I was like looking around the studio and I was like, God, it took me three years. And I can literally tell you piece by piece how I had the idea for the studio over there. Yeah. And it filled my need and I loved it for like four months until I was like, God, I feel like I need to sit down when I do some coaching 
And so I put that desk over there. Mm-hmm. And then naturally I had my family photos on that wall and people were like, God, I love that. And so I just started doing like coaching calls, sitting down with my family. And then I stayed like that. And this whole yeah. area, this other 2000 square feet was just storage space. That's yeah. all it was. Like I had guns everywhere, I had ammo everywhere. I had camera equipment, my event stuff. And then I was like, God, I need to be able to like teach stuff. And then I was like, I need a table. And yeah. I had that dope custom steel 8,000 pound table made. Um, and then the moment that went and I was like, oh, this is a conference room. And then I started having people come out. And that state is a conference room. This middle area state is just storage yeah. the whole time, which is the most space in the studio. <laughs> and then one day I got done with a client and they're like, God, it would be awesome if we recorded a podcast when we finished this. And I was like, you want to do it tomorrow? And they're like, yeah. And, and then you so just that it. afternoon I put this in place and I just hung a black curtain behind here. Yeah. And I put all those temporary lights up and started recording right here. And then a week ago I was like, this is here to stay. I moved them off the mm-hmm. floor onto the ceiling. And then this is how it's all come to practice. Which is why it flows so well and it feels so natural. Yeah. And I think that's like for, I know for myself, there was a period of time I try, you try and force something, you try and make something happen. And then you're just going to start moving stuff around. You get stuck with these hiccups and you're like, this doesn't work. But why it works so naturally is because it was how it was designed to be. It was yeah. piece by piece over time, how naturally everything happened. And yeah. that's why it feels, I know for me, one of the things I currently ask myself over and over again, because I just, I'm very introverted and I hate leaving my house and I just mm-hmm. love working from my home was, I don't know how I could have another office away from it. Whereas I walked in here, I was like, this is sick. I could work here. So I could that's be super why, productive That's here. why I did it, right? So yeah. like, it's so funny because like I, you and I, when we talk in conversations, like we go straight to like the root of life, like instantly, <laughs> like just so you guys know, like when Pop and I met, who introduced us? Um, Pretty sure it was Dan. Dan. Oh, it was Dan. Yeah, yeah. It was Dan. Yeah. yeah. So Dan introduced us. We talked on Facebook for a while. Yes. And then I moved here. Yep. And then you had just moved here. Yeah. We moved here right around this, right like, around literally the same around the same time. And then we talked online and then we met and then instantly it was like we were talking about the meaning of life. Yeah. Like instantly. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, I know some cool shit that can help you. Can I teach it to you? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm coming over your house. I need you to buy me sticky notes and fucking flip charts. And I still have all of them and I still refer to that, to the sticky notes. I did transport it onto a Google yep. Doc, but I still use that. And I do ultimately like teach it to people I'm yeah. like hey like listen i got this from george bryant you need the details on it. you're gonna have to go to him yeah and just so you, like high level just so you guys know it. that's how our relationship started yeah. I, I came into his house and i bombed it but it's funny because like even in this conversation here like i've been so bullish and obsessive about it because i'm like every time i've ever tried to like design this blueprint or do it I never follow through with it. And I've always been like a brick by brick. And yeah. every single time, every lesson we teach, every critical lesson, every paid media lesson, every customer journey lesson, they all share the same principle, which mm-hmm. is like the faster you realize that it didn't work and then just swing again. Yeah. You're good to make the adjustment. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting because like for me, I'm I'm the same way. Like I had a home office. Yeah. And I loved it, but I also realized my environment was holding me small because I was allowing things to intermix in my containers. Mm-hmm. And so I was getting very codependent on my own self and on my own business, and I needed some separation. And when I started, it was hard. Yeah. Right? Because I was like, on the drive over here, it's like I'm going to the field on Sunday. Yeah. And there's nobody in my car, but my excuses in me. And I'm coming up with every one of them to not come to the office. Yeah. Right? Because... 
there's no like I'm in my home office. I'm boom. And then when yeah. I was here, I felt really guilty opening up YouTube in here. <laughs> really, <laughs> like, I'm really here to guilty. Work. And so I was like, wow, this is really interesting. My yeah. environment plays such a huge role on it. And I, I've neglected it for so long. So I started looking at it, like, especially when it was hard, mm-hmm. like it was game time. So like on my drive over here, which is intentionally 30 minutes by the Swan Mountain Range, like every day it's, it's that space. But like, sometimes I'm crying on the way over here. Sometimes I'm like pumping myself up. Sometimes yeah. I got E.T. the hip hop preacher on, <laughs> but it's like, I'm coming to the field. And then the moment I get in here, I wanted to make it a home away from home. So it is yeah. a workspace, but it's for me to feel the best. Yeah. And like, I want, I want it to feel like yeah. home and like the flick of a button, like go from studio to living room. It's not a morning hack or a nighttime hack. It's like, it is intentional. It's the environment is set up for success for you personally. Yeah. Which obviously, since we have a lot in common, it blends over to me. Yeah. But that has been something I've, you know, my wife and I, we talk about. Which by know. the way, congrats. Oh, thank it's you. It's like. The, I think the second time I've seen you since you've been married. Yeah. No, first time. You just got married. I got married in the or the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, so I this is the first time. Yeah, I, I think we were engaged. You, I think we were I just engaged, got engaged last time I saw you. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's the thing, because I've generally, even though I had a, and I can give my background on my business and stuff. Yeah, we'll get there. But uh, I've generally worked from my own home, my own office space or whatever. And that is one of the things now is I do love that. But more on my mind has been I want to build something that is my space like this where I can go to Mm -hmm. because my wife and I talk about it. I'm like, Hey, listen, you're working. Yeah. Like sometimes there's, and I'm sure people can relate to this. It's like, where's the shut off when it is right there, when I can just open up my computer and I can do stuff, you know, it's, there is no kind of shut off, especially when you, as an entrepreneur, it's like, it is just part of who you are. It's entrenched and you're constantly like, it is one thing to constantly be thinking about it. There's another thing to then be like distracted or it's like, they think I'm done and then I just go and I start working and there's no, there's, there's no, no separation. There's no separation. Well, it's so interesting yeah. too. Like I did an entire podcast on this okay. and I think I taught you this, the dream storming concept with the critic, the realist. And I've the, never heard that. No, okay. No. I'll have yeah. to teach you after. Yeah, yeah. Um, but human beings operate in states, okay. right? And naturally in these three states, we teach this as a creative process in my consulting, but it's mm-hmm. actually a behavioral process as well. And this is going to make sense to you. So for everybody who hasn't heard Dreamstorming, you're going to hear it because I'll, I'll give a little context. But naturally, like imagine when you're dreaming up Disney World, right? Mm-hmm. Before swamps were ever drained, castles were ever created, robotronics were ever made, right? And you have this vision of like this world on on swamps and robots that move themselves and underground tunnels, right? Like While well, you're about to be broke. Convergent, yeah, convergent thinking doesn't get you there, right? Yeah. Only divergent thinking does. So Disney created this process and then people made billions turning it into a teaching thing like Boeing and Lean mm-hmm. Six Sigma. It's incredible. So there's the dreamer. There's the realist and then there's the critic, right? So the dream, when you're in the dream state, the only thing you can do is add to the dream. Like, what is it you want to do? I want to fly to the moon. I want to do blank. I want to do blank, right? But the rules are simple. You operate in that state and you stay in that state. When you're done with the dream, you leave that state, right? Mm -hmm. So Disney built three different offices. There was a dream office, a real office, and a critic office. And the dream office was clouds, airplane space. In the real office, it was the how. So that's the how They actually built these? Yes. These are physical offices. Right. So there's the how office. That's Mm -hmm. like mechanics and gears. Right. So when you're in that office, the rules are simple. You can't add or take away from the dream Mm -hmm. and you can't poke holes in it. You can only ask one question. How can it be done? Okay. Not. No, no. How could it be done? Not how can it be done? Because can is divert is convergent. Right. How can means limited to what we've done. How could more opportunity based. Right. Without the limit of the dream Mm -hmm. or the constraint. Right. So then you're like, oh, well, we would have to drain the swamps. Um, we would have to create something that could move on its own. Yeah. 
we'd have to blank, right? And so without the limit and the constraint, you actually start to solve the problems, mm -hmm. right? And so then you leave that office and you go to the critic office. In the critic office, there's three rules. Number one, you can't add or take away from the dream. You can't ask or say how. You can only poke holes in it. But everybody forgets the critic's job is to protect the vision because yeah. they're pointing out the vulnerabilities, mm -hmm. right? Because when the critic's job is done, you're left with a list of all the reasons this could not work. Yeah. If you can solve any item on that list, you are now actually building the dream. Mm -hmm. Human beings operate in one of those states. Men and women get this all the time and men, you're going to laugh. You buy your wife something that she was asking for and you are like, I got it for her. She's happy. 10 minutes later, she shows you another one of those same <laughs> things and says, I can't wait to get this one. And you immediately get upset and you're like, but honey, I just bought you this one. Isn't it enough? Mm -hmm. And you get into a fight. Every man, this has happened. And then an hour later or sometime later, you end up talking and she's like, why were you so mad at me? He's like, I just bought this. She's like, no, I meant in like five years. That's wow. the difference. Okay. She and a lot of like my, my wife or my, uh, my wife lived in like the dream state, right? Yeah. And when she was in the dream state in our marriage, like I was always in like the how state. So when mm -hmm. she would say something to me, my brain was like, this is how we'll do it. This is how we'll do it. And she would feel unheard. Right. Yeah. So you're starting to see this. So when they're in the dream state, people are talking about things with no constraint of time. Mm -hmm. Then people naturally live in the house state. These are typically a lot of analytical people's engineers, things like that, where you'll come to them with your vision mm -hmm. and then you'll feel unseen because they're telling you how it couldn't be done or could be done. Yeah. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yes. Right. Oh yes. Or the critic whose natural one mm -hmm. is to see the vulnerabilities and visions. And we'll go to them with an idea that we're really excited about. And they'll be like, but you can't do it. Yeah. But then they actually want to support us, but they don't realize that they operate in one of those states. Mm -hmm. And so when you start to realize this, we do this with teams and we help them identify. So on my team, um, <clears throat> I'm the vision, mm -hmm. Ashley's the how, and George is the critic. And we have like an even spread. But yeah. when we're having meetings, when I go to Ashley, I'm like, hey, I need you to dream with me for a minute. Yeah. And she'll be like, oh. So you have to put them in the state so they understand where you're coming from. It's like, this is, this is the whole role and the whole purpose of this right now. So the state changes, though, are the things that most people don't understand is that when you're operating in an area, you're in that state. And if you don't pattern interrupt or change that state, you don't ever actually get on task. And mm -hmm. when you get distracted, it takes 19 minutes for a human being to recover focus. <laughs> 19 minutes to get back to the level of focus that you had, right? And so people just operate all day on default, yeah, <clears throat> right? But if you think about when there's moments where you're like struggling for a minute, you stand up from your desk, you take a breath, you go listen to a song, you come back and you're super, super clear, right? And so I just don't think enough people give credence to their environment. Like we remember, like if you go back <clears throat> to books from 100 years ago, T. Harbecker, Napoleon Hill, mm -hmm. You are who you surround yourself with. Yeah. That was before the internet. That was before music, mm -hmm. movies, TV. Now you're only with the people you surround yourself with 5% of the time. Yeah. And you're surrounded by the rest of that environment 95% of the time. And impact you. Which nobody ever looks at. Mm -hmm. But it's the environment that's telling us how to think and how to feel no matter what we're doing. And it's the thing that's neglected. Yeah. And like it's huge. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And I, I think for me, 
and I think you might get this too. Like I always felt unqualified. Like, and I'm like, Oh, this, like, I don't know why I'm getting paid to do this. I still feel unqualified. Like, I don't know why I figured out what I figured out. Right. Yeah. I don't feel whatever qualified. Yeah. And in that, in that whole process of like feeling underqualified, I think I took it like a hobby Mm -hmm. for so long. And then I took it personally. And it's the difference between being like a high school athlete and being a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. Like I was taking it so personally because it was like this hobby. And I was like, Oh, I'll do it in my kitchen. I'll do it here. Like Mm -hmm. it's on my laptop. It's boom. And I was like, like, this is my livelihood. And the moment I started looking at it, like it Mm -hmm. was a profession, like I had to start thinking of myself, like I was a drafted athlete. Yeah. And then the moment I did that, I couldn't change it. I was stuck for years. Mm -hmm. And then I started playing with my environment. Yeah. And like the backgrounds of my phone, the music I listened to, like everything around me. And I started to realize without even realizing it, my behaviors had changed Mm -hmm. because I was just surrounded by like thousands of reminders every day without any of the poison to like make it worse. Yeah. I I totally understand that because it's at a certain stage, if you don't take it as this is I'm a pro or you're like, this is just what I like to do and I'm kind of good at it. You give your, to a degree, an excuse if you don't succeed as well or yes. if you fail, which then also creates a loop of like self-sabotage, uh-huh. which I definitely was in a state of at one point. But that's one of the reasons why I moved to Montana. Yeah. I knew because I've always at some degree, I put myself in the environment to be successful. We live to, in we live in Billings, by the way, in case you want yeah. to move here. Yeah, the most that's the most beautiful part of the state. But that's actually the first place I did fly into when I came to Montana and I did love it. I was oh, like, oh, yeah. I can I see like, that, though. Is, I was like, this, I, I'm much more preferred this side of the state, but uh, that did kind of start my infatuation with the with Montana mm-hmm. and the West. But, uh, you know, I, I did that when I first opened up my gyms where I was just like, okay, I need to do this. I need to remove these people from my life. I need to do this in order to be successful. But then as I started getting levels where I was like, why, why is this happening? Who am I to get this? I did find myself creating opportunities where I wouldn't be as successful, where I would get in my own way, you know, and then I had to deal with that spot. And that's when I brought myself to a new area just to like, you know, get refocused. Well, here's what, here, here's the, here's the thing. Like I, somebody asked me the other day and they're like, all right, you've been doing this for a long time. You've been on thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of podcasts. Like if, if you could like really, really like summarize it down mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I've been thinking about this one a lot and it really boils down to the entire game is just having the mindset of being professional mm-hmm. irregardless of your skills. Yeah. Like if you look at Tom Brady, when he didn't get drafted that day, he already irregardless of skill set mm-hmm. just believed it was possible for him to be a world champion, not that he was ever there, yeah. but that he could actively pursue it. Yeah. And it's so funny because you know my life personally mm-hmm. and where I am and things that happen and like I'm like, oh, yeah, like probably like some of the biggest atomic bombs ever. And I'm the happiest I've ever been. Yes. The lightest I've ever been. You mm-hmm. know me personally. Yeah. And you're even like, your energy is nice now. And you're like, yeah. I loved it before. The energy was still good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a different, it's a, it's a freeing, freeing kind of energy that you're putting out there. Because you are, you have an aura that takes up a room. Yeah. And it's like, whether it's good or bad. And now it's usually, anytime I've ever met you, it's always been great. For sure. But it's definitely more like there is that layer of happiness that just exudes off. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting though, is like, I've been really reflecting on it and Mm -hmm. I've been like, everybody's been asking like on Instagram, we polled everybody and we're like, all right, we have a year of content. We're doing events. What's the one thing you want me to talk about? Mm -hmm. Mindset, 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 Mm -hmm. mindset, mindset. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. All right. 
Well, here's here's the part. This is how I'm summarizing it down to everybody. I've studied like every ounce of trauma work. I've been through all of it. And all of them have the same things in common. Mm-hmm. The first thing they do is give you safe space to be aware of your trauma. And the moment you're aware of it, you're no longer living in it. Mm-hmm. So then they give you a new behavior. And then they basically talk to you forever until you make that behavior a part of your life or you keep paying them until you do. But every ounce of therapy ends with some new behavior to give new episodic memory of a new self versus an old self. Yeah. We're entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. No one's coming to do this for us. Mm-mm. Every single moment that I choose to sit here and believe whatever feeling is in my body, I am actively taking bricks out of my vision and lying to myself and saying that I'm putting them in. Mm -hmm. Because even if I'm sitting here with a shitty feeling and I'm not putting a brick in my building, but I'm not removing that feeling actively from my body or doing something and pretending I don't have the answer, Mm -hmm. I'm just lying to myself. Yeah. So for me, I made this one model last year and I've been teaching it. Nobody listens to me, but I basically took every important behavior in my life and I was like on the worst day of my life, what's the minimum I would commit to knowing I'm not going to die. And I've done nothing but those behaviors every day for the last year. And everything is so easy. Well, you're controlling it. You're controlling the outcome. Because no matter what, I'm going to feel how I feel. Right. And that's the hardest part. And that's why I love coaches. I just wrote a whole podcast on coaching. I was like, Mm -hmm. what do the best coaches do? They hold space for you to see who you really are. And for you to remember what you committed to, mm-hmm. and they don't believe the bullshit that gets in the way. Yeah. Right? That's what the best ones do. Yeah. Well, your beliefs lead to your actions. They, they do. Like, and like you can make, and I remember there was a point for me within the last year where it was, just, it was a decision that was the catalyst to making change, where it was like, I'm no longer going to let this, this event that I keep pulling myself back to, which holds myself down, I'm going to stop letting that be a controlling factor of where I am because it's my decision ultimately. Well, even you like mm-hmm. compare, like talking about how I'm different. Yeah. You're different, like drastically different. Like you went from chaotic. I want to get away, blah, blah, blah. I'm moving yeah. to Montana. You're now a married father. Yeah. Right. And by the way, energetically, physically in business, leading, mm-hmm. responding, not reacting. Yeah. Doing the work, like all of it as well. Yeah. Well, I can, I personally, and I've, <laughs> I, it's a different season. And I think that's part of it. You go through different seasons and you have to acknowledge. And like, I was, I broke this, I broke this down mostly just for myself to understand like, Hey, it's okay. Like, you know, my original, my first season of entrepreneurship, you know, was defined by this. And these were my actions, which then led me to here, which is where essentially like it was a speedy growth path. And I needed to kind of like collect, I needed to figure some shit out. Well, I'm so glad because I have a question about this. Okay. And I'm so glad that you went there. Right. And and this, by the way, like I love the paradox Mm -hmm. of the more that you learn, the less Less that you you know, know, and the longer it takes to learn something Mm -hmm. new. Yeah. That's the fun part. Right. But you just, you just talk about, and I actually love that you call them seasons. I feel like my thinking and language, including a lot of entrepreneurs, held me back for a long time because I used to call them chapters. Okay. But then I realized that I was holding myself into the same book. Mm, int- yeah. Right. I never even thought about that. So I love that you use seasons mm-hmm. because we, it's so funny. Like, you know, when I walked away from Caveman, yeah. the way that I told the story is I kept trying to write another chapter, but what mm-hmm. was needed was the conclusion. Yeah. And I love the seasonal approach. Mm-hmm. Right. And so hearing you say that, I think that's something for me that I've learned through experience, both through pain, but also now through experience where like in the very beginning and let's take it uh, and I'm going to completely generalize us, but dudes that look like us, that operate like us, that think like us, that are entrepreneurs like us tend to come from this. Oh yeah. Tell us we can't have it and we'll show you. We're going to go get it mentality. Right. So in the very beginning, 
we tend to excel massively fast, learn, and then get really ahead of ourselves, mm-hmm. get really bloated because we haven't been kicked in the nuts yet, right? Yep. And then the lessons get longer and longer and our frustrations mm-hmm. go, right? And then we never really finish habits, right? We hit 90% of lines and then we never see them through yeah. until eventually we hit enough 90 percenters mm-hmm. that it causes enough pain that we're willing to see one through the finish line that yeah. we realize that we should have just done this done the whole the time. The whole time. So I love that you talk about seasons, yeah. right? How have you developed a relationship with that to not take it personally, right? Like, because when you say season, what I hear you saying is like, I'm looking at myself like I'm an athlete, yeah. right? Like, hey, great season. You did this. You came in third, right? We wanted to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But that's something that you learn over time. Yeah. How do you look at that now? How do you approach that? Like, how do you think about that relationship with yourself? Yeah. So that's a very interesting question. And I think part of my season of exploration was me really figuring out about myself. Yeah. What causes me to do certain things? Why do I think certain ways? Why do I have some sort of things limiting myself or holding myself back? And I read something uh, probably because I started getting back into, you know, my faith and Christianity and it was, you know, things aren't done to you. They're done for you. Mm -hmm. And that was probably how I, I changed everything. But even taking it further back, like the seasons thing, I actually got from Dave Tate, the powerlifter to a degree. Yep. So I look at life just like I look at training because training and like I used to be 115 pounds. My heaviest was like 230 when I first moved out here. Just jacked. Dude, I remember. Stroke. Both of us. Yeah, we were big. What like, do you weigh now? I'm like 200, 205. Like I got, I, I got yeah. tiny. Yeah, I got to. I need to get training. Again. I'm going to start eating. again. Yeah, I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat to bulk now. Yeah. I need to eat better. I need to train harder. I've just been like now I'm like fixing injuries again. But understanding, like, for me, it's, hey, whatever I do as a result, in the long term, like, with fitness, it, like, teaches you delayed gratification. Yes. So, and especially when I first started working out, I didn't know anything. I had a big enough pain or problem I was looking to solve mm-hmm. that I kept going after. But I also knew, like, just from there, and I think it was an early lesson for me, was just because I haven't achieved it doesn't mean it's not possible. Because yes. there's plenty of people that were jacked. And that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be jacked. Yeah. I was like, I'm looking at Arnold and, you know, um, Slice Alone and all those movies. So I love action movies. And I'm like, all right, they've done it. I can do it. Yep. I didn't have a thing where like, oh, I'm just not, just because I've, you know, because I'm not, I don't naturally gain weight. Yeah. I I, yeah. I'm an ectomorph. Yeah. It's hard for me to, you know, I was 115 pounds. So I didn't look at it as, oh, I can't do this. They have something special. I was just like, all right, they've done it. I can do it. Yeah. I just need to figure out how to get it done. Yeah. So over time and eventually being able to do that, I mean, that kind of taught me that as long as I just continue with something and don't give up, yeah. they're all just lessons. Yeah. So I have a, so I have like, mm-hmm. God, I have 38 questions on that. I'll yeah. let you sip your water and I'll frame this first one because I'm going to, I'm going to two part it. So, okay. uh, the, the second part I'm going to frame. So we both remember, cause my brain's a little loopy right now. Um, that's cause you're like my fucking friend and I could do this with you yeah. all day. And we can also just like, we just, I that's know. part of the ADD just going all over I know. the place. And I, yeah. But this is how we talk yeah. and I'm like, Oh, but we're also on a podcast. Okay, yeah. cool. We love you. I love you guys. Um, but that part about Sly and Arnold, yeah. I want to, I want to talk about because when you said that something really resonated in my brain and I don't know if you said it on purpose, but you were like, they've shown that it's possible, even if it's going to look different for you. And like, Mm -hmm. when I think one of the most powerful things is like, when you see things like that is like just to crack the door that it's possible, but what it looks like for you is going to look different than what it looks like for them. Yes. But I hear you say this and I hear all the parallels between training and consistency Mm -hmm. and the focus, especially when you don't feel like it, which is why yeah. you're successful, right? Um, but I also, I also think like just understanding 
that it's about like measuring your progress, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not like you didn't go from 115, right? As an mm-hmm. ectomorph to then 230. Yeah. Right. Like you went from 115 to 120. And, and then you get stuck. And then you and get then you stuck. Get, get past and, and you, you get, go down a and little then bit. You, right. And so I hear you talk about it. Yeah. Like it's so simple. Right. And it is on paper. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that part I'm framing. So the first part is though, you said like when you got back into your faith, right? Yeah. <clears throat> There had to have been a point when you were in massive pain, where you were away from your faith, you were away from your behaviors, and you were in the shit mm-hmm. before you recognized you were in the shit. Yeah. Right? You recognized you were in the shit, and I'm not assuming that you picked up a Bible that day. No. Like, instantaneously. Still not super good with reading the Bible. So, But yes. I want to know, Yeah, what I'm really curious about is that zone of doubt, Yeah, that gap where you're like, okay, all this is broken, mm-hmm. this is not fucking working, yeah. right? And you're not all the way back in your faith yet. Like, what was that process like for you? Like, how did you start to develop? Like, okay, like, I'm unhappy, but I'm also, like, can't beat myself up here. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's an interest. I'm trying to figure out how I could, like, break it down. Because I, well, I'm trying to correlate in your life, too, because I know you've had a few of these. And I know moving to Montana was a catalyst. Yeah. So uh, you've probably had a few of them. Yeah. And I'm curious because what it sounds like is that like you've, and I, I may be leading you a little bit, but yeah. what it sounds like and what I'm hearing is that almost at every point where something has gotten hard or challenging, you've somehow come to the realization either through pain yeah. or through something that it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And then in that process yeah. created some changes and it sounds like environmental design was one big one. Yeah you typically either changed careers or changed focuses of energy, but after you went back to like baseline behaviors. Yes. So it sounds like you found this awareness yeah. and you like, so I'm just trying well, to figure out what your process was like. Cause so for me, it was hard trying to figure out. And I'm not going to say it's easy. Cause even going back to like the weight, like that length of time was 15 plus years. Yeah. So, and then, you know, with business, I've, I've been in business for myself for over a decade. But there is at some point in time, and it started probably earlier being that, like, I was an artist growing up. Yeah. That, and I was my biggest, you know, critic and stuff like that. I just have, a, I guess, maybe a higher level of self-awareness to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that I always understand it. It takes me a while sometimes to figure some shit out that people pointed out to me. Yeah. You know, I have to then come to the conclusion. But, you know, even within my my relationship, when I met my my now wife, when I met her, I was like, this person is different. Yep. I can tell, like, this is amazing. Now, I am I think I was 32 at the time. And I've met her. She's amazing. Yeah, she's a phenomenal human being. And when I met her, but I was like, okay, so clearly I'm 32 and no relationship has worked. Yes. So there's only one common denominator in those relationship, and that's me. Yes. So if I haven't been able to have a successful relationship, is it the other person or is it me? Yes. Because they're all great people that yes. I dated. So I was like, all right. I'm the issue. Why yes. am I the issue? What's happening? What's causing me to hold myself back or prevent yes. myself? And I want this relationship. It was very cognizant. I was like, I want this relationship to be successful. I see a future with this individual. So then I just took a look. And that's where I started going down like certain things such as like, uh, you know, looking at the psychology of why we make decisions, yep. which was, I guess, kind of prior because you need that for in business. Yep. But also uh, the big thing was, oh man, like... Um, Attachment theory. Yes. Like, okay, so what impacts relationships? I look at attachment theory and I go, oh, okay. And I see all the other correlations. But so for me, it's just an awareness of there's only, like you said earlier, there's nobody coming to save us. The only person that can change your situation is, is yourself. When I first started business, there was somewhat of an imaginary chip on my shoulder where I 
told myself people didn't want me to be successful and I wanted to prove them all wrong. Yeah. So like, even though I, I look back, I'm like, I actually don't think that was the case. No. At all. No. Like, people like, especially the, my family and stuff, like they were very encouraging, you know, so I tell myself that, but I realized that anytime, you know, I've made some sort of significant change, the only person that is going to change that is myself. Yeah. There's nobody that can live my life. There's nobody that can make my decisions. There's nobody that can do the actions for me. And, but it's probably just from the beginning, like just from, from probably being an artist as a young kid, just having that level of awareness. So, yeah. So I realized why I was leading you. I'm at a point now where like, I've just been reflecting for the last seven years. Yeah. So I break everything down in models now Yeah. just to translate it. So I love this because, um, it's nice hearing it from you and then hearing it through another lens to like articulate it out because, you know, the first thing is like, you have to have an awareness. And I love that you got to the fact of like, okay, there's a common denominator here. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think that's the most important part. Right. And, and for people wondering, go read the book, extreme ownership by Jocko, go get into any personal development, yeah. right? any, any, any personal development distinction you pick life spring world work, gratitude, any of them elevate leadership, ALA, mm -hmm. they're all founded on the same principles. And the first thing they're going to teach you is 100% responsible 100% yeah. of the time. And I think it's an important concept. And I haven't talked about this on the podcast in like 200 episodes. Oh, wow. Um, but I, I think it's really, really important because you talk about it so lightly. But I want everybody to understand that 100% responsible 100% of the time is an active choice that doesn't absolve you from the feelings. Mm -hmm. It's an empowering viewpoint that gives you clarity when you're triggered and you can't see it mm -hmm. because your reticular activating system yeah. is tuned into trauma, right? And so the reason I'm saying this is that like right now I'm going through life changes in mm -hmm. the business. I've had to let some employees go. I've yeah. had to end some business partnerships, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to look at that of like, oh my God, well, this fucked up and this fucked up. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is the bed's already made. Yeah. And so if all I do now is look at everything that was broken in the bed mm -hmm. and obsess about it, I'm not going to see all the things that worked and then ask, hey, how could I mitigate those things in the future? Yeah. Right. And so I, the reason I say this is I struggled for years because I would have these awarenesses. Right. And I'm like, okay, my relationships keep breaking. Mm -hmm. Right. I keep repeating the same behavior. I keep doing this boom and I would yeah. bring the awareness up. Right. And then I'd even have the new behaviors. But because I would look at it like I did it all bad and wrong mm -hmm. or that I was only getting the feedback because I was a bad boy or anything, yeah. none of the behaviors ever stuck simply because I was looking at it like everything was happening mm -hmm. to me. And you were just stuck in it. And I was just stuck in it. And yeah. I didn't realize that the behaviors couldn't stick until I chose to see it differently. And then yeah. now it's like I can see so clearly. I'm like, oh, my God. No one in my life has ever yelled at me because they hated me. They yelled at me because they loved me and what I said or did upset them. Yeah. Like, and it required me being able to look in. And mm -hmm. when, when I hear you speak, you speak so reflectively from a place of like self-love and self-acceptance. And I hear that, but I also know as a man, that's an active choice. It's not something that just exists there. It's yeah. something you choose. Yeah. Moment to moment. When, and I do think too, like I've been fortunate where. I was raised in a, in, in a family that had unconditional love. Yeah. And it makes a huge difference where I was raised because I was, I mean, I got kicked out of high school. Yeah. I was constantly in trouble and I still would have my parents supporting me and having my back. So I was raised in, in a place where I realized that I could say what was on my mind and I wouldn't be ridiculed. I wouldn't be in trouble. So I personally have grown never fearing 
that if I do something or give somebody feedback, that it's going to come up and, and blow up on me. That's so amazing. I, I have zero. And I'm also like that kind of person that I love to solve things. Yeah. So I'm like, I'd rather just get it out of the way to move on. But one of the things as you were speaking that really, I heard a, a model from, actually, he's a former professional hockey player. Now he like teaches uh, companies, but it was like his model was you, you acknowledge yep. the past negative experience. Yep. You acknowledge it. You can allow yourself to sit in for three to five minutes. Yep. And then it's what are the what's the future positive outcome that you're looking for, and then yep. what are the future positive actions you have yep. to do, or the current positive actions you have to do. Yep. So it's not it's not a bad thing that it happened because things no. again go back to they're not done to you; they're done for you. It's a lesson it. that you need to learn. Yes. So that you can then apply, and then there's no problem making mistakes or even failing. Is hopefully it's just not constant and repetitive. So if I can learn it and then go apply it, but it's like cool, man. This this shitty situation happened. I get it. Kind of sucks. Well, it's done. I can't change it. So what's the point of focusing on it? Because I have no control over that. I have control over my future and the actions that I do. And I think, so, yeah, that's yeah. the part. So for me, that's what, and I, I think I'm so bullish on this for now. Mm -hmm. And I've been obsessed about teaching people about coaching lately so bullishly because I just needed somebody to remind me that I already had the tool. I just wasn't using it. Yeah. Right. It was just this. I even had the behaviors, but the behaviors were to get away from something mm -hmm. instead of moving towards something new. Yeah. So no matter what, there was always a ceiling yeah. there, right? And I had that in my, yeah. I was like, all right, I don't want to address this issue, which yeah. I know is an issue. And I know I could probably solve it. Man, I created that problem myself. I just don't want to deal with it because I can just mentally and this is can't the take it. And yeah. this is the part. And this is the part for me that I had to fucking sit with for yeah. years, right? The nobody coming to save me, like, this is why I've been struggling to, like, even coach people lately. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, here's the thing. You just said it. You said, I told the universe and I told my coach and I told everybody I wanted to make a million dollars a year. And I'm currently seeing the thing that's preventing it. Mm -hmm. And I'm actively choosing to not do it while telling myself and everybody else that mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. That dissonance is the one reason that everybody fails. Mm -hmm. And here's the, here's the hardest part. The solution is so fucking simple. You won't do it. Yeah. It's in that moment, instead of saying, oh, I want to make a million dollars a year and I'm not doing this, saying I don't want to make a million dollars a mm -hmm. year and I'm okay with this behavior. Yeah. The moment you do that, every single step and key to mm -hmm. the kingdom unlocks. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you make a million or not. It matters that every moment you find yourself making any choice wrong, you're already guaranteed to mm -hmm. lose that game. Yeah. And that was the biggest part for me. It was just that little bit where like, even in like some of my toughest of times when I'm like, I'm fighting with Lindsay or something's coming up and it was always around money. It was the moments that were always the catalyst. And I was like, I don't want to fucking do it anymore. Yeah. No, I'm fucking done. And I'm done coaching. And I yeah. swear to God, this happened fucking when I met you. Yeah. And then what? Fast forward six months when I say I'm done coaching, and coaching I'm done up. with all the models. <laughs> and then my coaching business was through the roof. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my goodness, right? But that level of integrity is something that you have that every time I've known you and I've heard you speak, and I don't know if you know it, but based on what you just said about your parents mm -hmm. and always being to be radically honest and authentic and never yeah. fearing feedback, what that's given you is the ability to be radically honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you get that out all the time, which yeah. gives you an accurate measure. So for everybody listening who doesn't have that, it's a muscle. Yeah. That's all it is. It's an actual trainable muscle. 
and I do this on the podcast. I do this when I speak. I do it when I can't, like you hear me correct myself mm-hmm. all the time when I do it, but it's a muscle to just start flexing. Mm-hmm. And the more you flex it, because like what I think success boils down to, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a better analogy, but the only one that I have is a triage nurse. Now, a triage nurse is trained as a nurse. She mm-hmm. can go into that ER and issue care, but when she's in that role, her entire job is to assess as accurately and integrously every situation to determine standard of care. Mm-hmm. And the longer she is unaware of the current state, the less likely she can succeed with whatever behavior she's doing. Yeah. Our entire job should be to obsess about being a triage nurse in as many moments as possible so that we're constantly looking at our check engine lights and then only diagnosing one or addressing one when there's a solution, Mm -hmm. then immediately coming back to the drawing board. Yeah. Like that's how I've been choosing to see it. Yeah. Because like, that's what it boils down to. And the model that I use, I wanted to make something easier. Remember, so I made the triple A method, right? So when you get a flat tire. Okay. Instead of slashing the other three, yeah. just call AAA so you can get back on the road. Yeah. So the first one is awareness, yep. right? And this is this is a paradox to me. This is what I've been struggling mm-hmm. with. My favorite Thich Nhat Hanh quote is, uh, the moment you recognize you are, you no longer are. Mm-hmm. So the moment you can tell me that you had trauma or have trauma, you're actually no longer in the trauma. Mm-hmm. Because like, if you think about like one of the greatest moments of your life... You can remember like the moment, but you don't remember time. You yeah. can't tell me how you were feeling because you were actually just being. You weren't thinking. You were mm-hmm. in that moment. The moment you were reflecting about the moment, you were no longer being happy. Yeah. You were thinking about being happy, right? So the paradox is like the moment you recognize yeah. you are, you no longer are. Mm-hmm. So the moment you can tell me like my wife's so fucking pissed at me because of this, you're already actually through the trauma. Yeah. When you were angry or yelling or emotionally upset or dry heaving mm-hmm. and you couldn't feel anything, you were in that moment. Yeah. But the moment you're through it, you actually have the keys to the finish line. So awareness is step one. Mm-hmm. Step two is acceptance. Yeah. And that's the part I just said a minute ago. It's that if you open Google Maps right now mm-hmm. and tell it that you want to get to point D, Boston, Massachusetts, and hit go, it cannot spit you out directions because it doesn't have a starting point. Yeah. <laughs> And so it can get you nowhere. The purpose of trauma work is the moment you have an awareness, you've won the game because it gives us the current starting point of your exact location, which means we now know the exact first step to Mm -hmm. get you towards Boston, Massachusetts. So the acceptance part is the no fault, no blame, no guilt, no shame part, right? I've done all the work. I've done all the books. The feeling doesn't go away. All I did was write it on paper Mm -hmm. and I'd write the thought and then I'd write a positive thought instead of it, right? Because the moment I can look at it and absolve those feelings, right? And it doesn't mean it goes away. I'm like, okay, no, I got it. Like the situation's done. Like I'm not proud of it, right? I don't like how I said it, right? I don't like how it makes me feel. I don't want to feel that way again. I don't want to do that again. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. All right, well, here's what it is. And then the third A, so it's awareness and then acceptance. And then the third one is action. Yeah. And then here's the biggest part. The book, The Catalyst, the customer journey book I recommend Mm -hmm. to everybody, including you, is also the best personal development book in the world. Mm -hmm. The chapter on distance is the secret to you being whatever you want to be. Yeah. You take the chapter on distance and atomic habits and you're guaranteed to be a billionaire Mm -hmm. if you actually want to be one. Yeah. So you just choose the one behavior, but then this is where everybody lost. It'd be like, oh my God, I gained weight. I'm going to start working out again. 
I'm so upset. I looked in the mirror. Okay. I'm going to the gym for an hour tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Nope. You're never going to fucking make it. Nope. Because you always go straight back to the buffet and think that you can fill your fucking plate up again, but you've been out of the game. Yeah. That's the reason you lose. So the model I made that wedge of expectations, Mm -hmm. you set your ceiling, which is like, Oh, I want to start training again. I'm going to go to the hour a day. And I'm like, cool. On the worst day of your life, when you walk out of your house, your dog gets run over by a car, your wife leaves you, you go bankrupt, and you lose everything, but you realize you don't want to die in that moment, so you have to protect your progress. On that day, what's the minimum you can commit to? And they're like, a 10-minute walk outside. The way to get through trauma and growth is to only ever commit to the floor, so Mm -hmm. I call that the floor. And so once you have the awareness, then you accept it. You just pick the first bite. Yeah. And then you only commit to the bite. And that is actually a new neural pathway Mm -hmm. that creates a new episodic memory based on a future state, which cracks the door. So the next time that trauma comes up or that trigger comes up, even if that walk or that floor isn't default, it will be the first thought. And after about seven to 10 days of consistency or those amount of times, that trigger will eventually become a subconscious behavior that then starts to recognize more of them and preemptively yeah. removes the trigger. Yep. And so earlier when you were talking about this, I don't get to talk about this with many people, but you <laughs> coach a lot of people as well. Yeah. But earlier um, when you were, you were talking and like I was listening to you and I'm talking about like episodic memory and these like little bite-sized pieces, the biggest part is like, that little bit of chunk and it's just reconditioning a mm. behavior, right? Because I'm going to, I'm going to say like, now I, I will tell you, if you ever find yourself doing nothing, but aware you're doing nothing, you've won the game Yeah. because in that moment you get to choose that next bite, mm-hmm. but you have to be really integrous because that next bite only you can take it. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you take it. It matters that you're integrous with whether you take it or not and why you're taking it or not taking it. Yeah. Right. And it's just this consistency of like, okay, bite, bite, bite. And that's the piece that I lost for so long Yeah, was just not getting back to that little bite over and over. And then having people in my life, coaches in my life or an environment in my life that when I would come to them, they would believe my story mm-hmm. rather than remember my commitment. Break check. Let me take a moment to interrupt myself. I don't run ads on my own podcast, but sometimes I forget that I can tell you about things on my own show. So I'm interrupting for a very important announcement, which is the Lighthouse Business Accelerator, because it is event time. And as a fellow entrepreneur and business owner, you know how important it is to attend live events, especially ours with the world's most intense Rock, Paper, Scissors Championship with the best prizes. But that's why I'm thrilled to invite you to our event that will transform your business and catapult your personal growth as a leader in industry. And if you do not believe me, I swear to God, just go to mindofgeorge.com slash event. I will not tell you. The people on the page will tell you. Their videos will tell you. But the event is getting ready to happen November 16th through 19th in Whitefish, Montana, my beautiful home at the Grouse Mountain Lodge. We have a new event location. So down and dirty. It is a three-day event with an optional four, and everybody takes the fourth. They're just limited spots, but you'll find out more about those. Who's going to be speaking? Luckily for you, the best. My dear friend, Mo Ismail, and my, myself will be co-curating. He'll be speaking, and he is literally the best in the world at short-form content. 
It is mind-blowing. When he speaks, everybody writes notes and listens. My dear friend, John Wellborn, who is just a wealth of walking wisdom and knowledge. He was a NFL player for 10 years. He studied stoicism. He has degrees in rhetoric and from all these different places. And I learned so much. And then I have a special surprise up my sleeve, but I'll keep that with you there. So at our event, it's all about community. It's all about relationships. And our goal isn't just for you to walk away with clarity, which you will, mastery and understanding of customer journey, which you will, but also feeling recharged and on fire, ready to go into the world, knowing you have community and support. And so whether you're just starting out, totally fine. We have about half the room of that. Running a seven-figure business, totally fine. We have you. Eight-figure business, we got you. And we have had billionaires in the room. And we focus on principles and communities. And everybody learns from each other. Everybody benefits from each other. And everybody wins. And so I can't wait for you to be one of the 75 entrepreneurs in the room in that next experience with your bucket full. So I'm going to let you get back to the content. But I'm going to tell you, I cannot wait to hug you and high five you in Montana. So come be ready to be with 75 entrepreneurs that are all hungry for growth and networking and supporting. And of course, the world's most competitive rock, paper, scissors championship. So I'm going to let you get back to the content. But irregardless, right now, it's time to go to mindofgeorge.com slash event. Check it out. And we will see you November 16th through 19th in Whitefish, Montana. So the moment you can tell me that you had trauma or have trauma, you're actually no longer in the trauma. Mm -hmm. Because like, if you think about like one of the greatest moments of your life, you can remember like the moment, but you don't remember time. You can't tell me how you were feeling because you were actually just being, you weren't thinking you were Mm -hmm. in that moment. The moment you were reflecting about the moment, you were no longer being happy. Yeah. You were thinking about being happy, right? So the paradox is like the moment you recognize yeah. you are, you no longer are. Mm-hmm. So the moment you can tell me like, my wife's so fucking pissed at me because of this, you're already actually through the trauma. Yeah. When you were angry or yelling or emotionally upset or dry heaving mm-hmm. and you couldn't feel anything, you were in that moment. Yeah. But the moment you're through it, you actually have the keys to the finish line. So awareness is step one. Mm -hmm. Step two is acceptance. And that's the part I just said a minute ago. It's that if you open Google Maps right now Mm -hmm. and tell it that you want to get to point D, Boston, Massachusetts, and hit go, it cannot spit you out directions because it doesn't have a starting point. Yeah. (laughs) And so it can get you nowhere. The purpose of trauma work is the moment you have an awareness, you've won the game because it gives us the current starting point of your exact location, which means we now know the exact first step to Mm -hmm. get you towards Boston, Massachusetts. So the acceptance part is the no fault, no blame, no guilt, no shame part, right? I've done all the work. I've done all the books. The feeling doesn't go away. All I did was write it on paper Mm -hmm. and I'd write the thought and then I'd write a positive thought instead of it, right? Because the moment I can look at it and absolve those feelings, right? And it doesn't mean it goes away. I'm like, okay, no, I got it. Like the situation's done. Like I'm not proud of it, right? I don't like how I said it, right? I don't like how it makes me feel. I don't want to feel that way again. I don't want to do that again. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. All right, well, here's what it is. And then the third A, so it's awareness and then acceptance. And then the third one is action. Yeah. And then here's the biggest part. The book, The Catalyst, the customer journey book I recommend mm-hmm. to everybody, including you, is also the best Great personal book. development book in the world. Mm-hmm. The chapter on distance is the secret to you being whatever you want to be. Yeah. You take the chapter on distance, 
and atomic habits, and you're guaranteed to be a billionaire mm-hmm. if you actually want to be one. Yeah. So you just choose the one behavior, but then this is where everybody lost. It'd be like, oh my God, I gained weight. I'm going to start working out again. I'm so upset. I looked in the mirror. Okay, I'm going to the gym for an hour tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Nope. You're never going to fucking make it. Nope, because you always go straight back to the buffet and think that you can fill your fucking plate up again, but you've been out of the game. Yeah. That's the reason you lose. So the model I made, that wedge of expectations, Mm -hmm. you set your ceiling, which is like, oh, I want to start training again. I'm going to go to the hour a day. And I'm like, cool. On the worst day of your life, when you walk out of your house, your dog gets run over by a car, your wife leaves you, you go bankrupt, and you lose everything, but you realize you don't want to die in that moment. So you have to protect your progress on that day. What's the minimum you can commit to? And they're like a 10 minute walk outside. Yeah. The way to get through trauma and growth is to only ever commit to the floor. So mm-hmm. I call that the floor. Yeah. And so once you have the awareness, then you accept it. You just pick the first bite. Yeah. And then you only commit to the bite. And that is actually a new neural pathway mm-hmm. that creates a new episodic memory based on a future state, which cracks the door. Yeah. So the next time that trauma comes up or that trigger comes up, even if that walk or that floor isn't default, it will be the first thought. Yeah. And after about seven to 10 days of consistency or those amount of times, that trigger will eventually become a subconscious behavior that then starts to recognize more of them and preemptively yeah. removes the trigger. Yep. And so earlier when you were talking about this, I don't get to talk about this with many people, but you <laughs> coach a lot of people as well. Yeah. But earlier... um, when you were you were talking and like I was listening to you and I'm talking about like episodic memory and these like little bite-sized pieces. The biggest part is like that little bit of chunk and it's just reconditioning a mm-hmm. behavior, right? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna say like now I, I will tell you, if you ever find yourself doing nothing but aware you're doing nothing, you've won the game. Yeah. Because in that moment you get to choose that next bite. Mm-hmm. But you have to be really integrous because that next bite, only you can take it, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you take it. It matters that you're integrous with whether you take it or not and why you're taking it or not taking it, yeah. right? And it's just this consistency of like, okay, bite, bite, bite. And that's the piece that I lost for so long yeah. was just not getting back to that little bite over and over and then having people in my life, coaches in my life or an environment in my life that when I would come to them, they would believe my story mm-hmm. rather than remember my commitment. Yeah. Right. And like, that's the hardest part. Everyone's like, well, you have coaches. I'm like, yeah, I fucking hate them. Yeah. Cause I called them like, what are you calling for me to remind you what you already know? Yeah. And I'm like, uh huh. Yeah. But that's the pattern interrupt I need. Right. That's mm-hmm. the, Oh, thank you. Right. Yeah. Is You said something that did remind me of when I started making a switch and I had an acknowledgement of the behaviors that we're doing, were not aligned with the identity that I wanted to have. And that's the big thing is the identity that I'm creating that I believe myself to be and that I want to put out to others as well. But I do remember because I, I was at a group, I was at an event, you know, my business was just booming. Yep. I had already had my eight locations, just absolutely crushing it. We had just started a franchise and the conversations were not about business growth. Hey, how did I start from a thousand square feet to this? I was at the time known for partying. Yep. So there was that disconnect. I was like, wait, is this what I want to be known for yep. as this person that just parties and gets super messed up or is like hung over mm-hmm. or like, but I've actually done something pretty amazing that's helped a lot of people. And that's not even what I get to talk about. Like, that's not the identity I want to have. Like yeah. this no longer is suiting me 
to be, you know, and once I acknowledge that, like if you sit in that and to acknowledge it and to be like, oh, cool, I'm going to continue doing this. Like people just can't live in that state. No, that's really, and that's where it has to be. I was talking to this with some of our clients earlier. Whereas if you just talk to somebody who's fitness and I can't remember who I heard this from, but you have to help them understand how bad their situation is as a result of the actions that they're taking. Well, yeah. And yeah. yeah. And the science of this yeah. for everybody listening, the a human being, and this is from Jonah Berger as well. Mm-hmm requires a perceived gain or benefit of 3.1 times greater than yeah. their current situation to even open them up to change. Yeah. Which if you think about in extreme circumstances means that somebody will willingly get punched in the face 10 times a week unless they can see that it will get reduced to only once a week yeah. or else they will not change the behavior. Yeah. Blows your mind. Oof, yeah. Right. But then you can see it so clearly like around us. Yeah. Right. And like the thing that I realized, too, is that when I would get stuck, I would also get overwhelmed because I would then realize I had all these new behaviors. Right. But mm-hmm. then I'd go back into life and I didn't know where to put them. Yeah. Or there wasn't space for them. And that's where I had to reread Atomic Habits about 30 times. And then I realized I've actually never read that book. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, never read Everybody I, says you should read it, so I just don't read so it. So by the way... I'm very country and by By nature. the way, when I was at Bob's house with those sticky notes, that yeah. book was on the <laughs> list of required reading. I did go down the Jonah Berger like, but trap, though. He, but here's the thing. I have to use the movable middle yeah. on him, too, because he will read it after this podcast. Yes. I guarantee I just you. got called out, so now I have to. And so, but with it, right? Like, if you... In the book, it's about habit stacking, yeah. right? So, like, thinking about how easy it is right now if you already have a fitness habit. And you want to remember to take your supplements, just put them in your gym bag. Yeah. Right. That's habit stacking, right? But what ends up happening, and you talk about this so fluently, but I, I want everybody to hear this. When you get to a point where you identify that like, oh, I'm not currently aligned with this person anymore. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you go into your closet, throw out $20,000 of your wardrobe, go to the store, buy 20,000 new collars yeah. and turn out as a different human tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That means that you realize the outfit you're wearing today, you no longer like. Yeah. So tomorrow, you're going to put on a different outfit, and then you're going to see how that feels, and you're going to start adjusting piece by piece by piece, right? So with Atomic Habits, so what I was realizing is that I would have all these things that were working, but then I would have a ton of shit that was broken, right? And I would focus on all the broken stuff. like, all right, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I would come back into the business or back into my life and I would replace the behaviors that were working mm-hmm. with all the new behaviors that were supposedly going to fix it yeah. while then breaking everything else in the process. Yeah. So what I've started to do, and I'm really like bullish on this with my clients now is like when we recognize, like, let's say we triage the situation mm-hmm. and I find 80 holes, Yeah. then I'm like, okay, what's your day look like right now? Yeah. And then I don't change any behavior. They are allowed to pick one hole yeah. and add it on top of a daily behavior mm-hmm. until it is no longer a hole or the behavior is changed yep. until they get to the next one. Yeah, That's atomic habits and building momentum and habit yeah. stacking. What you have so eloquently in like the bodybuilding language and the structure language is like, hey, it took me 15 years to go from 115 pounds to 230 pounds. Everybody loves the story, but you measured it in pounds. Yeah. And your measurement window was progress. Yes. Right? And well, it's I, understanding if I have this goal, what are the process? And like, you know, early on was like the process goals that I'm going to do to get there. Yep. And falling in love with that journey yes. and understanding you can get off that journey and that's okay, but then I got to bring it back. And one of the things that I think a lot of people make the mistake 
of when they, they take a look at it. And if you really dissect something, you can find a million problems. But as human beings, we are not conditioned or able to fix a million things at a time. Mm-hmm. So like when we work with gyms, and you, you could look at all of the, you could look at EOS or scaling up and all these, and they're like, let's talk about everything that we're going to do for this quarter, this quarter, this quarter. It's like, or for the next 12 weeks, we can just pick one of three things that are going to have the largest, like even the minimum effective dose to have the largest impact and get me closer to where Perfect. my future state's going to be. Yep. And then I'm just going to do that. And that might even be the next goal for the next 12 weeks after that until it actually becomes ingrained. And then I understand it. I don't have to think about it. Yeah. It's just part of my day. And it's, yep. and that's part of even when I first started, when I first started my gym and I just want, I just wanted to work out, but I also knew, shit, I got to grow this business. And since I knew what I loved to do mm-hmm. was work out, I would say, Hey, in order for me to actually work out, I have to do these things done first. And if I was able to do these, whether I got it done by 12 o'clock or I got it done at eight o'clock at night, that's when I could go get my treat. So everybody listen, yeah. because Bob is massively successful everywhere in life. Uh, also those models I teach you called the wedge of expectations and the SOS model, where I said, you have to earn the right mm-hmm. every day. This yep. is more credence and credibility to that. Right. So yep. one of the other things that I hear you talk about and I love as well, and you've alluded to this, right? Like you've been in gyms, you're consulting, you own physical products. You've, uh, you've been around the block, right? You were known for partying, you were known for boom, (laughs) but magically every single thing that you apply yourself to works. Mm -hmm. And that's because I don't know if you know this, but every time you speak and you talk about these things, when even you identify problems, you never go to the symptom to fix the problem, yeah. you go below it and you go to you. And so even when you speak, you talk about how your behaviors mm-hmm. and how you work on you at the core level, which then waterfalls up in NLP, neuro-linguistic program, and they call this the seven logical levels or six logical levels of the brain. Okay, You can't change mm-hmm. a situation on the level that you're on, yeah. right? So if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can't get to the upper level unless yeah. your base one's met, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but with NLP, it's a little bit different, but if you're operating on like a thinking level, you can't change your thinking and have it permanently change your thinking. Yeah. But if you go to your environment or a behavior Mm -hmm. and you change a behavior, that will then waterfall and change your thinking. And you were actually referencing this earlier when you referenced your identity not being there, Mm -hmm. you didn't go to like, what are you changing on the outside? You went to what behavior? Yeah. Like, what do I want to change about who I am or how I see the world? Right. And I think that I want to make a point about this because you do this and you're an incredibly deep thinker. And that's why I love talking to you so much. But what you do when you speak is you, you speak in a way that um, creates an idea or a possibility, right? And let's, let's people kind of fill it in. And I think that that's one of the best places for people to think about is like what you want to think about is when you're hearing these things is like what part of this lands for me just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I might hear it through the lens of like my behavior with email marketing or yeah. my working out or my supplementation. Mm-hmm. Great. That's the wrapping paper where you're expressing it to the world right yeah. now. That's how you're going to Trojan horse yourself into something different, right? Yeah. So when you take that same behavior and you choose to see it differently now and you commit to it consistently for 12 weeks, irregardless of what else is happening, mm-hmm that will have a positive impact. Yeah. And that's something that I hear that you constantly put yourself back into, right? Even if you don't recognize it, that commitment to that consistency. And I say this, but I love hearing you edify this through examples. Like if somebody comes to us and they're like, we want to lose 50 pounds in the next 12 months, we could both agree that irregardless, if we did nothing more than have them drink 64 ounces of water a day, mm-hmm. 
have one green smoothie and walk for 15 minutes outside, yeah. no matter what, for 12 months, if they did that consistently, at least 80% of the time, mm-hmm. they would probably lose more weight. They would be doing workouts we had no control over because they wouldn't be able to stop the progress. Yeah. So I want to give credence to what you're saying for everybody listening, because those baseline behaviors and those consistency are the rudder mm-hmm. that keeps us in the driver's seat towards our vision when we can't see the steering wheel, when we yeah. can't see the road. Yeah, well, I think that's so true because you talked earlier. And what I get from that is like when you feel busy, when you feel overwhelmed, yep. like I got all these things. It's like t- being able to take a step back yep. and seeing that now as an opportunity, not like, you know, and, and I'm just not even though I've fallen in sometimes these loops where even like when I opened my gym, I looked at what's the negative outcome that can happen from this. Cool. I can fail. I can lose it all. Great. If that happens, what do I have to do? Oh, I got to go get a job. Cool. Not the end of the world. Great. Never looking at it or thinking about it again. Only thinking about now, what do I have to do to get beyond there? Even knowing like at that time to me, success was if I could make six figures and that was like so far out there and blown like, and then eventually you see other people that do other things and you're like, well, let's, how can I interpret this to myself and model it? But even there, like just taking a look at that mm-hmm. as instead of seeing it of, man, here's a situation that I'm in, I'm busy, I'm overwhelmed. It's like, all right, where's the opportunity? Because mm-hmm. if I'm overwhelmed or I'm feeling busy, is it due to a lack of productivity? Mm-hmm. And what is the things that I'm not, what, what are the things that I need to do to be productive? Because then I'm mm-hmm. going to get the control back. Yeah. Because if I'm feeling busy or overwhelmed, it's a lack of control. A thousand percent. And if yeah. you're feeling busy or overwhelmed, that means you're not aware of your behaviors, yes. which means you're in reaction, which yeah. means somebody else is driving your goals and yeah. vision and you're expecting you to get them. Yep. Right. Like that's, and that, that's the, that's the thing, because in the very beginning of entrepreneurship, no matter what you have to be Tom Brady, Bill Belichick and the offensive coordinator. Yeah. But as you grow, you now still possess the skills of Tom Brady, but occasionally have to decide if you're the best quarterback to throw the ball or if somebody else should go in that spot. And then as you grow, what you'll recognize is the only muscle you're flexing is your ability to triage situations faster, Mm -hmm. not allow your personal emotions to cloud your decision, and then constantly put them each in the next bite or reprioritize them based on where they are. Like, that's it. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's it. And even if you're an athlete. Yeah. And you're training to be successful. There will never be a point in your training where your coach or you think it's completely okay to be mindlessly running at a pace that you don't know. Yeah. To be going on a course that you've never been on. Mm -hmm. To be pushing at a pace that you don't even know where. Like, never. Yeah. Right? And so the more that you can find these moments to just even ask yourself. And like Scott Olfer was on my show. And he's a friend of mine. And Mm -hmm. I, I loved how simple he put this. He has an alarm on his phone twice a day. And it's four hours during his workday. And it goes off twice a day and asks them one simple question. Is what you're doing right now currently aligned with your vision? Yeah. And twice a day, that alarm goes off. And that's all it takes to have that pattern to be like, oh, you know what? No, this Mm -hmm. isn't it. That isn't there. And -hmm. I think we get so lost in the overcomplication of it all. Yeah. To where it's like in any moment, if Mm -hmm. we have that action or behavior and you're in that situation, like if you lost your best client or your gym's going under. Mm -hmm. If you can honestly look me in the eye and tell me that you want it to succeed, then you need to be aware that the only thing getting in your way is your ability to process that yeah. emotion and then look at the situation objectively and be like, okay, what's the first bite, yeah. right? And that first bite is always triage. Mm-hmm. You need an awareness of the situation yeah. to have the pin in the map. 
And the moment you have it, you can start taking bites. But like in combat lifesaving training, they used to trick us. I talk about this all the time. But when we're doing actual training to save people's lives in combat, they will literally, and we had to do this on live animals, but we won't talk about that in case anybody from PETA <laughs> listens to my podcast. I, I apologize, but it did help <laughs> us save a lot of people's lives. And so I'm also not sorry. Um, they ate the animals after two. Hey, at least they get full circle. But in, in one of the one of the instances, like I remember very specifically, they punctured the trachea mm-hmm. of one of the animals, but then also blew a hole in the side of it and had, had an artery go out. And basically we looked at it and every ounce of you wants to treat the shock in front of you. Mm-hmm. And the first two times people failed because they were so overwhelmed with the shock of the blood and the gore, they missed the fact that it wasn't breathing. Yeah. And so when you understand that your whole ability to succeed as an entrepreneur is no different than your ability to succeed as a trauma surgeon to where mm-hmm. you're going to be faced with everything that looks insurmountable. But if you can take a breath for a moment and look past what's there, you can find what's important. Yeah. And in every life-saving step, it's always start the breathing. Yeah. Stop the bleeding. Yeah. But when you're met with that after a car like accident, that. ever boom, the first thing you see is the bleeding. And mm. the moment you believe that's the problem, you lose the ability to save that person's life. And your business, your life, your relationship with yourself is no different. Yeah. There's, I'm actually going to take a lot of that. And I'm this conversation can go in so many different ways just from that where it's like, hey, the breathing. That brings us back to like marketing yes. and sales and all that. But I think it is just so important for for people just to understand like at the end of the day all your situation it can be fixed it can you just have to be able to like take a step back not look at like wow man this situation can get significantly worse but like if well, that happens like and what's, what's and here and i want to say this to everybody and if you look at the situation and you can't see it objectively that is completely okay but that's yeah. when you can't isolate and you have to reach out to people like us or a community yeah. or people that can remind you like it doesn't like when Bob talked about it taking 15 years to lose the weight, like the things that I'm talking about now with a smile on my face had demons attached to them for 36 years. Yeah. Right. Like they're easy to talk about now. Yeah. But, you know, for the three and a half years I hid off the Internet when none of you knew I existed because <laughs> I was hiding in shame. Yeah. I'm telling you now to learn. And like if you feel that way, you don't have to feel bad and wrong that you can't see mm-hmm. it like this. But that means if you're aware of that and you can't see it, you already have the next bite. Yeah. And that's to find a community or somebody who supports you yeah. or can see that or help you navigate that. Yeah. Right. It, it's this consistency over the bites. We're going to have to do, a, we'll do round two and three because <laughs> we'll do a whole business one. Cause I, yeah. I love, I love where this is. Um, and, and really just to like edify you, because like, I, I even think about like when I talk to you and when you're na- like, and by the way, the amount of mutual friends that we have. So Bob and I will travel. Yeah. And then I'll either get a text from him with a photo of him and somebody I yeah. know. Or he'll get the same thing from me. Yeah. And I'm like, how do we not know each other? Yeah. And it's actually kind of funny because I've heard of, because I'm like, man, George is like the best networker. He knows everybody. And then I just realized, I was like, it's just because you just put out good shit for everybody. Yeah. Like when we first met, it wasn't, what can I get from you? It was, uh-huh. what can I give you? Uh-huh. And I think that like just that kind of just approach just has allowed you to have this network that just continues to grow. Yeah. But that is funny because like last time I was traveling, you're like, how do you know this person? Yeah. I know this person too. Like, yeah. let's get together, dude. We literally live up the street. I know. So let's get together. I know. But, you know, I think that is, it's, and, and it just comes down to like, I know for me, one of the things you said earlier 
that I can't, I can't impact how people think about me. I can't impact, I can't do anything about that. The only thing since I got started has always just been an attempt to get to self-mastery. Yep. And whatever I'm doing, I just want to be really good at it. But understanding in order to get good, I'm going to screw up a ton. Yeah. I'm going to get miss. I'm going to make mistakes. That's how you get good. And like, I'm just going to learn from them, be able to hopefully get that lesson, not repeat the mistake, and then compound on it. And then eventually it's like, you know, my fourth gym was a hell of a lot easier than my first gym yes. or my second gym, you know, because of those mistakes. And something that really has helped me and why I do love hearing other people's experiences. And I got this from when I was in EO. Um, and where I think a lot of people also Which struggle Which EO, with, by the way? Oh, entrepreneurs everybody. Organization. I yeah. thought that yeah. one, but for everybody listening, Entrepreneurs Organization, there's a couple of them. Yeah. So like, and for me, it's always been trying to put myself around other individuals, whether they're in my industry or other industries to see like what is possible, but also understanding like when in EO, since your environment is so important, you know, and um, I was in the Northeast at the time, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're you're faced with situations that not so many people can understand or relate to. Yep. And it's like, a lot of times they are good problems to have. So yep. people are like, Oh, that's your fucking problem. Yep. Like I'm still trying to figure out how to put food on my table. Yep. So good for you yep. on that fact that your profit dipped a little bit, or you have this opportunity to make a, a ton more or whatever. So I joined entrepreneurs organization just to be in a network of like-minded individuals locally, me, but in different organizations. Yep. Because at that point now I was looking for, how do I get, you know, previously I had, I had an amazing mentor that helped me see what was truly possible. Like it just blew my mind, mm -hmm. my belief, my mindset shattered. And then, you know, I wanted to get to the next level. I was like, well, I need to find people from outside. I know that essentially business is unique and everything. Like uh, mo businesses can be unique in your, who you're serving and, and your mm -hmm. model, but, but the same, the same stuff is all the same or the, the business is all the same. And in EO, one of the things I really love in entrepreneurs organization is you're not allowed to tell people anything. You can only share your experiences uh -huh. because that's truly how people learn. Yep. So like, hey, I've run into this situation. Some people are just going to be, hey, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. It's like, well, natural reaction is like, no, you don't tell me what to do. Especially like I'm a contrarian. I think if you're an entrepreneur, you have that kind of. By the way, the book, like, The Catalyst, that's the chapter on reactants. Oh, it's, okay. Just just so everybody knows what yeah. that, that is. That's what's taught in customer journey. Yeah. That's the chapter on reactants. Yeah. So it's what you're talking about. So, but that's so like understanding that is then being able to truly like, all right, they did this. This is what I can extrapolate from it. Just like our personal experiences. Hey, this happened. This is what I could do different in a yep. situation in the future. And that's been like the biggest thing for me. So like going back to whatever your situation is, I've always just found success. And if people are listening to this podcast, like they're already in it. Yeah. They're already listening to the experience shares of like, all right, George has had a lot of success. He's had a lot of like stuff that has popped up. How can I learn from somebody else so that when I see that situation arise, because it's going to arise of some capacity, yep. now I know how to in, in, like handle yep. it. Maybe unique to me, yep. but I'll now be armed and prepared yep. to then move forward. Like one of the models I used to use in customer journey, I don't use it in customer journey anymore. I use mm -hmm. it in life, was called every conceivable scenario. Okay. So how I used to teach customer journey is companies would tell me like, no, no, we've solved for our customers. I was like, okay, cool. Well, let's take your PDP, your product detail page, yeah. right? I was like tell me all the things somebody could do on this page. And like, well, they could add a card or they could leave. And then one day I wanted to prove a point. So I broke it down and there were like 28 actions somebody yeah. could take. And then the more that I extrapolated it out, they were like, Oh, I was like, so how many more holes do you want me to point out in your yeah. bucket? Right. But you know, I, I joked in a keynote a couple of weeks ago, I was like, how many people have ever read a fortune cookie some point in their life? And they remember it in this moment. Like, yeah, I'm like, how many people wish when they remembered it recently that they just listened to it 20 years ago and followed it to a T <laughs> and they're like, 
oh my god yeah yeah right like it boils down to so many things that you're saying mm-hmm. about just coming down to the basics and getting down to consistency and so the ever conceivable scenario is like mike tyson says it all the time like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face yeah the purpose of that quote is to let you know that no matter what you're going to get punched in the face it's coming the only way to win is to know it's coming yeah. So that when it happens, you know what bite to take next yeah. so you don't get hit again. Yeah. And that's what it really boils down to, right? It's just consistently finding these next bites. And if you can't find the bite mm-hmm. that's important or you're hemorrhaging and you can't see it, that's where you get counsel. But no matter which way you slice it, you're going to have to keep finding these bites. Yeah. And for me, I struggled for years because I kept trying to change the symptoms of the bite. I would change the business, right? Or it's it's because i was a food blogger not because it was blank or because Mm -hmm. it was how i did this not because of what was below it and the faster i think for me i think now in hindsight if i could give myself a fast forward button i'm like just go to behavior like just go to who you are because everything else from Mm -hmm. that point you know really really waterfalls down but i i said this earlier on another podcast i was recording and i was like but when this all started if i had a thousand bad thoughts a day the goal was to have one good thought. Yeah. And then now it's not that every day is so easy and that I have all the these thoughts good still behaviors. Exist. Well, and even yeah. so do the behaviors. Yeah. I still knocked down, oh my God, sweet peaks, chocolate love. And then I added toasted pecans and almond butter, bro. Oh, three nights in a row. Like, yeah. Not aligned to my goals right now, right? But I look at my day and I'm like, great. If I took 49 choices today from my past and mm-hmm. 51 from my future, I still win. Yeah. My goal every day is just to take one more bite from my future mm-hmm. than I do from my past. And on certain days, like I was supposed to record six podcasts yesterday. Yeah. I got kicked in the nuts. I didn't. I outlined two of them. Yeah. Let's but I progress. just protected my progress because yeah. that was my floor. And yeah. I was like, if this ever happens, yeah, here's what you do. Well, there's no such thing as a perfect life. There's no such thing as a no. perfect day. And I heard this and you, you hear this, you know, like, oh, there's always ups and downs in business. And if you're in business long enough, you finally understand the truth to that. If you're not having ups yeah. and downs, you're about to go out you're of business. about to. Like, it's right there. If you don't realize that you're probably in it or you just haven't been in it long enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember, like, I was like, oh, man, like, I'm only going up. Like, what are these people talking about? <laughs> but then once you realize, like, hey, it's not perfect and that's okay. Because once you go through it, you experience, hey, I can make it through. Life is not over. Business is not over. Or maybe business is over. But now I've developed the skills and the behaviors. Like, that's the thing. Like, I am very much a high risk taker. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I've gotten older and there's, you know, more family involved, I've definitely more cognizant of the things that I do. Um, I would challenge what you said. You're a calculated risk taker. Now I am. Back then, I'd just go all in. Uh, but even then, yeah. no, because you and I are the same person. You would go all in knowing mm-hmm. that you had a 95% chance of success because okay. you had done your due diligence that other people couldn't yeah. understand that they couldn't see possible. Yeah. But you used it, I won't speak for you, I would use that situation more for my ego because they were convinced it couldn't be done, but I already knew it was going to be done. And so what looked very risky to other people, I knew I was going to achieve. Well, that's 100% happened to me where exactly that, where it's like, people are like, oh, you shouldn't do it. I'm like, well, now I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to show you. And I'm going to... And you do, and you do it. So I would just say, by the way, like to give you, you got to give yourself a little bit more credit because I know there's very few things that you took a big risk on and lost big. Well, I think that comes down to though is because I've developed the skills. Yes. So whether, and I was talking to my buddy Angelo with this, um, 
who's been massively successful in his own right. And I'm like, listen, I have the skills. So do I want to lose everything? Absolutely not. If I lost everything, would I be worried? No, because I know that the skills that I have can go into multiple different industries and I'll be able to rebuild. Oh, and you know what's funny? I couldn't remember my point earlier. That reminded me. Yeah. That's what I was talking about because that is what you win at with that attitude of gratitude. Because remember earlier where you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to get to six figures. In the very beginning, the reason we win is because every single thing that we accomplish, we celebrate and we're grateful for. Yeah. The moment we stop being grateful for what we have oh, yeah. and it's not enough, the only thing that happens is it puts blinders on so we can't see the leaks in the bucket because mm-hmm. it's detracting our focus because we think that we won that game. Yeah. And the moment you think that you won that game, the oxygen stops getting yeah. put into it and then the hole that's created can't be full by the new thing and you end yeah. up chasing the behavior, right? And this is why every company, like when I design entrepreneurs success, I use a Christmas tree, Mm -hmm. right? And literally, I can tell you the rungs of the tree. It's literally the first rung is their first six figures, right? The first sales down here is six figures. It's a half a million. It's a million. It's two and a half, five, 10, 25, 50, 100, 250, 500 billion. And Alex Sharfin has mapped all this out based on behaviors, but you see it across the board. Yeah. And every single time I come into a company, I come in at one of those levels. And 90% of my job is to trim all the shit off the tree back to the three things they did in the beginning Mm -hmm. and remind them and protect them. And those things fix the business and then make space for all the new ones. Yeah, It's this constant remembering that you help people scale. Scale comes from subtraction, Mm -hmm. not addition. Yeah, Because scale is taking the same three things from Pareto's principle Mm -hmm. that account for 90 to 80 to 90% of your revenue. And then as you get bigger, taking them deeper yeah. and then cutting out all the shit that gets away from them. Mm-hmm. That is what scale is. Yep. And so that means that you have to have this attitude of gratitude. So you take the, the book, The Catalyst, The Movable Middle, the same concept that gets you out of trauma is the same thing that gets you into success. Because the moment you're like, okay, I'm doing 10 grand a month and I have these coaching clients, entrepreneurs lose because they're like, I need more. Yeah. So what they don't realize is the only reason they have $10,000 a month is that's their capacity because there's holes in the game. Yeah. And so then they go try to fill in more people with those holes. But mm-hmm. at the moment, they're like, God, I have 10 a month. I love this. How can I make it better? Yeah. The first three improvements they make create space for three new clients. Yeah. And then they magically come in, right? So it's constantly like turning it in. Well, that kind of like transitions a bit into what we talked about prior to this, which is like your whole whole model and yeah. something I shared this morning where it's and especially if you talk like D to C because I know you've mm-hmm. worked with a lot of product brands but it's the same thing for gyms yep but a shift in focus especially this we do in consulting it's not about how many more new clients can I get it's how can I continue to get my current clients to have success so they stay with me for life yep so your revenue which yep. is awesome revenue is going to be in your acquisition yep but in the retention is the profit yep and you more people you keep, the better results they get. It yep. just like works on a cycle. And it even brings you, if you're doing sales meetings and stuff like that, it brings a better you or better sales team into that. We're like, yep. listen, like we're here to help you, yeah. not sell you. And you're going to continue to grow. But like for us in business, like how we always teach people and how yep. I've always scaled, because you always, you get to get to the level and you're like, why is all my energy going here? This isn't actually serving me. Like when I was growing my gyms, I started an online personal training business. Like what am I doing? Yep. 80% of my time is going to this with way less than 20% of my income, yep. cutting it off. And then we scale to the next level, but simple scale. Yep. If it's complex, it doesn't scale. Nope. It creates issues. Yep. Your team can't stay on top of it. You can't stay on top of it. You yep. start putting out all these fires, which is pretty normal. I think 
human beings are attracted to complexity because they think it's what needs to be done in order For to sure. get to the and, next and level. And you have to learn these lessons. You yeah. really, really do. Like this is where Mike McCall's books comes in. Mm-hmm. Like you can solve every one of these business challenges if you just read every one of his books. Yeah. Right. Because you read the pumpkin plan. It gets you down to the core idea of your business. Right. Then you read clockwork on where you should spend your time yeah. in that business. Then you read fix this next mm-hmm. for when things are broken to know what to prioritize. Then you read get different to figure out how to stand out in a crowded market, knowing that it's always the simple things and yeah. how you express them differently. Like it eradicates, you know, most of this. Mm-hmm. But it is such an important point for everybody to understand. And you said this earlier, but like businesses, they're they're the same. They're, there's models for all of this, right? Yeah. There, it's inputs into a process into outputs. Yes, mm-hmm. the inputs can change, the process can change, the outputs and customers can change, but the core functions are still acquisitions, yep. conversions, and retention. Yeah. Right. And no matter which way you slice it, the thing on the back, and you'll get this, and we'll do an entire another podcast on business, but the success of your company comes down to the success of people implementing or mm-hmm. getting the results they want through your product, service, or offerings. Yeah, It just so happens that the things required to get them to do that are the same behaviors we've talked about on this entire podcast that help you get successful. Mm-hmm. So the reason that the customer journey works so well is that when you apply it to you, it also teaches you how to do it to your customers and both of you win at the same time. Yeah, That's how this game actually works yeah. because people are not buying your products and services because that's their answer. That is a bridge to their answer. I yeah. don't give a fuck which way you slice it, but nobody is getting shredded for their bikini body. Mm-hmm. They're getting shredded so they can feel confident with their shirt off because they don't yeah. love themselves or so they can feel sexy in front of their partners. They can go to the beach and have confidence, yes. right? Like it's always a bridge yeah. to an after state. So is every problem in your business. Yes. It is just a symptom mm-hmm. of some core thing underneath yeah. it. And so the parallels are yeah. so similar. And usually for entrepreneurs, it's, it starts with you. Always. Start, you know, it starts here, especially depending on the organization, but it's the leadership is going to flow down. And that's one of the things I think with entrepreneurship as the longer I've gone on, the more business owners I've talked to, it's just problem solving. That's all it is. And that's all business is. It doesn't end. Like the game is not necessarily ever won. Nope. You know, because like at different phases, different seasons of your life, maybe the Mm -hmm. goal your outcome you're going for, but you do have to give yourself that appreciation. You do have to make sure that you are cognizant of the levels that you're you're going, whether it be personal and, and you know, we talk about this, I guess in just fitness, like scale victories versus non-scale victories. Yeah. But there's always a new problem that's going to arise. Sometimes you'll have more, sometimes you'll have less. But that's what has allowed us to get into business as we saw an opportunity, which was a problem. We figured out a way to solve it. We did that. Great. The next problem arises where sometimes it gets people stuck. But that's why you're in that leadership role. Boom, you solve it. Yep. And then on and on. And that's just how you're able to grow and scale So the analogy that I've been using, because I don't like the athlete analogy I don't like, but mm-hmm. I figured out why I was a food blogger. Mm-hmm. The best analogy for a kitchen is a restaurant. A okay. Michelin star restaurant, right? Yeah. Because you think about like a restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. And if I gave a Michelin star restaurant and a off the corner restaurant the same ingredients and the same menu, and I told them I wanted the same dishes, the only difference would be the lack of ingredients in the Michelin star and the mastery of those ingredients versus yeah. the complication of the simple one, right? Yeah. But if you look at that kitchen, really everything in business or in life is mm-hmm. assembling all your raw ingredients mm-hmm. and keeping your pantry stocked, never expired, but yeah. you don't use them all at every time, mm-hmm. but you have them in case you need them. That's your experiences, skills, and tools as an yeah. entrepreneur, right? Then your tools are the things that you have in your business, your processes, your yeah. your models, your courses, your thing, right? Yeah. And then you have your positions, right? There's line cooks, there's sous chefs, there's boom. But in the very beginning, you have to go to the grocery store yourself yeah 
and then pick out what you need to bring into the kitchen, stock the pantry, do prep. But you'll notice that you can make whatever recipe you want on your menu using those ingredients. We lose when we make business about the menu yeah. instead of what's in the menu, right? Yeah. And so you think about like how a professional athlete can go from football to baseball. Yeah. And how does that translate? The skills mm-hmm. translate, the behaviors translate, the mindset, the thinking translates yeah. to anything that's there. And so that's the analogy that I've been using because... I can basically in any business figure out where in that bucket of a kitchen yeah. something's broken and then figure out how to put it back in. Because just like when people come to me, they're like, oh, my God, I have a content problem. Yeah. I'm like, if you can tell me the three topics you talk about, you'll never have a content problem again. Yeah. Right. You give me your avatar, a one minute description of them. And you tell me you talk about mindset, marketing and business. I will map you out 75 years of content. Yeah. Right. It's never about the ingredients, but yeah. we lose because we literally look at the menu and we're like, oh, nobody ordered that. I guess I have to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Instead of going into the pantry of everything that you already have and stocked into your kitchen, we always look out mm-hmm. instead of looking in the building that we've built. I think it's actually super funny that you went to the Michelin star restaurant. Uh huh. Because anytime I think of business, one, I think one of the best businesses ever, which is McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And then right now, if we think about restaurants, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at, you know, because one of the first books I ever read was E-Myth Revisited, yep. Yep. which book. has set my beliefs around business, especially yep. making sure it's simple, making sure yep. it's repeatable. If I got hit by a bus, somebody would understand how to do it. Yep. You know, so having that. But it's not also like if you look at McDonald's menus, there's not a lot of stuff. They In got really Chick-fil-A. good. Yep at just a few items, the same thing with Chick-fil-A. And then also those items that can go on a lot of different things. Yeah. So I think the restaurant is, well, I just I, think it's hilarious that you went super high end and I was like, yo, Mickey well, D's. Well, no, here's the thing. Yeah. Well, in my example, that's the reference. Mickey D's is not a restaurant. They're a real estate company. Well, that's true. So I'm making the same comparison Yeah. because they're using their ingredients as a fast food restaurant and everybody's convinced they're the most successful company in the world as a fast food chain because they sell fast food, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They are the largest fast food real estate owner. They own all the property, then lease yeah. it back. Then they get licensed yeah. from the food. And then that's how they expanded globally to get mm-hmm. everywhere. So it's actually the whole same point because yeah. I could take those same burgers yeah. and then go up the street and have it called Hop Dotty in Austin and charge yeah. $28 for a different experience, right? Yeah. And then Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. simplicity at scale, but then their model is efficiency and consistency, yes. right? And so they went on time and quality, yeah, right? And then you have like the Chipotles, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're all the same, same yeah. thing. And I just think when you recognize that, I think you win the game and you realize that like, okay, we agreed to play a sport. Entrepreneurship's yeah. a sport. Yeah, There's a playbook mm-hmm. for every book, every model, everything that you could do. And there's the thing, the only difference that you have is you have all the same ingredients, you have all the same tools, you have the same building and the same staff requirements. The only thing that you can do to make it unique is your unique expression of how you use the ingredients, craft them into the world or how you put them on the menu. And to think that it's anything different, I think guarantees that you lose the game. Yeah. Because well, you'll lose it for a period of time until you figure that out. And you're like, all right, let me just go back to the drawing board. I tried doing this, which it just doesn't work i know you know and i think that's i do think interestingly going back to kind of what separates you from your competition if every single business has the same ingredient list so to speak uh especially since you're huge on customer experience that's one of the things that i've noticed more and more especially in montana like montana the customer experience sucks it's horrible it's so bad we could own this valley yeah if i was bored yeah like 
and that's one of the things that especially we go to gyms is one of the best ways to win. One of the best ways, I mean, if at the end of the day, what are you competing on? Yep. You know, so you can avoid being stuck in this price trap. Yep. But it's the experience you give your clients. Exactly. And that starts from the minute they see your initial advertisement to then going through the whole funnel, blah, blah, blah. Thousand percent. But like that's one of the things that of all those examples that you just used stuck out to me was the experience that you get, like they're all good at it. Mm-hmm. You get a repeated experience at every single one, and it doesn't matter where you're at. I've never been to the one in Texas, but like, if I go to Mickey D's anywhere, if I go to Chick Fil A anywhere, if I go to Chipotle, maybe a little inconsistent. That's why they've had some issues, but I know what I'm getting. The number one reason a customer journey exists mm-hmm. and the success of it is boiled down to consistency and congruency yeah. because it's the only thing we can control. Because no customer journey is linear. Yeah. So what most people don't realize is that if you experienced me one way in a keynote Mm -hmm. and then i spoke differently on my podcast that is an inconsistent and incongruent touch point which is actually an anti-marketing machine yeah the reason i preach consistency and congruency so much during marketing teaching is because it's the only thing that you can control in a non-controllable world yeah and so the more consistent and congruent you are the more endowment people build because the social triggers create pattern recognition Mm -hmm until they realize it's the same yeah. and then they feel safe and get endowed in. And yeah. so that's why consistency and congruency matters, which is why we'll go back to a restaurant that we've had good experiences with yeah. because the food was horrible. Yeah. Right. There's all these like different patterns and things that happen. It's mind blowing. Well, with that too, it's like a person doesn't make a decision to buy until they feel relief and safety. A thousand you know, percent. Even if we think about Maslow's high needs, but that's exactly it. I yep. feel safe because I trust this individual because yep. they are congruent across everywhere. I've, whether I've seen the rounds, I've talked to them or yep. been through this, like I get it. This yep. is what they're about. I know the experience that I'm about to get into. Yep. One of the big things I also really learned from you and I take into a lot of the stuff, especially when we were messing with the, the greens product was especially throughout the customer journey. And what we're really trying to do when it comes to client success and client services is it's not to do it for the client to get them successes and they don't learn, but it's to help them own that journey that they're on. Yep. And that's been the biggest thing. And I look back to what, some of the stuff I did in the gyms that I did just not quite knowing, Yeah, but it's, I want my customer, especially in a service-based business to then take the ownership of where they are in that. So they are determining their outcome. Yep. And that's kind of like goes back to a lot of our conversation as we realize that, hey, the actions that I take, this is what's going to happen. If I'm not getting to where I want to be, what are the things that I'm doing that's pushing me away from that? That's what we want to do with our, our customers. And that's how we're going to get them to where they need so to be. So here's the secret to tie this whole podcast together. Right. The reason people struggle with customer journey and they have to call me to do it is because the whole podcast before that point is the answers and the things that you need to do to be able to see why your customers aren't succeeding with the products. Yeah. They have the same struggles that you have, Yeah. but you don't see them mm-hmm. because you don't look at yours from a lens of like, oh, what can I improve? What can I do better? So then when you look at the product, all you see is the product, not their behaviors that mm-hmm. are getting in the way of your success. Yeah. So the reason when like companies come in here and then I map out their customer journey, they call me 30 days later. They're like, dude, my whole life is different. It's because they had to change their behaviors to implement the customer journey that we taught them Mm -hmm. because they had to put themselves in the bucket of those customers empathetically. And so then they started looking and they're like, oh, this is the Trojan horse. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I can get you either way Mm -hmm. because if we go through yours, then those are the same behaviors that we give to the customers. Right. Mm -hmm. And so understand like to, to wrap the, this the customer journey uh, the success of your life your business your customers lives and your customers business is 80% context and only 20% content mm-hmm. right it's never the workouts it's always going to yes. be strength deadlift and bench press 
It's how they're prescribed in a yeah. way that you can do them. Mm -hmm. It's no different for your habits and behaviors or no different than your customers, but you have to see the game for what it is. Yeah. It's the structure of the game that determines its success. Very rarely is it what content is in the middle of it. Agree. I love that. Yeah, dude. That's it. Well, so I'm gonna bow this one because we'll do we'll do a part two and we'll do all business. All right. We'll do <laughs> we'll do paid media customer journey. Yeah. Because we talked about the zone. Like you even alluded to it, like consistent group. Like, oh, we can hit that. Oh yeah, the zone of doubt. Yeah. That's what he just talked about. Yep. Okay, we'll hit that. Yeah. And then we'll add the paid media. So we'll do part two. Yeah. And we'll put it on the books before you leave. Love it. Um, yeah. So actually, uh, and then in part two, because I enjoyed this way more than your whole story and I'm glad I didn't even ask, <laughs> we'll cover that in the next one. But like, where can everybody find you, connect with you? Like, where's the best place for them to get you? I guess it's the easiest place is just either on Facebook or Instagram. Instagram, probably. Yeah, what's Instagram, your Instagram is uh, at I am Bob Thompson. I am Bob Thompson. He is a, he is a straight Montana American man, Bob mm -hmm. Thompson and spelt like, like Bob, you expect. <laughs> like the plumber. Yes. Like that would be the Montana plumber that, <laughs> <Just straight Bob. laughs> that Trump used in his campaign next. Was that Joe the plumber? Who was I have that? no idea. There was a plumber guy that somebody used and like, oh, really? they made him famous. Yeah. Somewhere. No, like I have no some, idea. Some plumber guy. That's hilarious. All right. So I am Bob Thompson on Instagram. We'll have Bob back and, and listen, I'm sure you could hear like Bob's incredible at business, everything imaginable, Jim world paid media, customer journey, marketing, blah, blah, blah. Go find them. If it resonates, we'll do this again. But this is how I talk about my friends. Thanks, brother. Appreciate yeah, dude, you. Dude, I, we will do this again. I have like 8 million more things I, I want to talk about. <laughs> Rob's, com Rob's coming on Monday. Oh, no shit, really? That's going to be a good one. And well, so we haven't seen each other in like three weeks. So we're texting and he's like, we got to put it in the calendar. I'm like, all right, we'll do a three-hour podcast. We'll catch up on the show. And so like, <laughs> we're both in town Monday and then we both leave Tuesday. You are always out of town. I know. That um, is the one thing is I do not like to leave montana i'm working on it like, right now just, you know the goal yeah. is me not to yes. leave you can see that i'm i you built it the so you don't have to now. yes yeah and by the way this is an open home for you i built this so my friends can use it and i'm gonna take you up on that and so like i prefer the company mm -hmm. and i'm like okay everybody come over here but we will um we'll definitely do a round two yep um we'll probably actually i'll probably force bob to come to our event because it's here in november so he won't have an option Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll see, but I'll give him an option. But if he says yes, I'll tell you guys about it. Sounds good. Uh, and then I'll make him sit at a round table and answer all your questions. Love it. Yeah, that's what we do to our friends. Yep. So, all right, we got to go. Uh, Thanks, brother. I appreciate you guys. Have a beautiful day. Remember that relationships all have good algorithms. I'll either catch in the next episode. You'll see me in your hairballs. Either way, I am Bob Thompson. We're out. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.